Hi, my name is Chris Rouse, and I would like to welcome you to this podcast. Today is Ash Wednesday, and so this is a special Ash Wednesday edition of Pneumaturgical, and I'm really looking forward to the Lenten season uh, with all of you. Uh, Today I'm going to be sharing um, some special poetry uh, from Walter Brueggemann, who is an Old Testament Bible scholar, just an awesome, awesome person. And the, uh, the use of poetry is going to be kind of a theme on this podcast through all of the Lenten season. We will be using T.S. Eliot's poem, Ash Wednesday which has six parts to it, to journey together through the six weeks of Lent. And so I hope that you'll subscribe if you haven't already done so, and maybe share this with others and and, uh, send them an invitation to to join us for a very meaningful um, time together. I want to start off today... Uh, by just kind of inviting us to just settle ourselves for a moment in silence. I think that silence, it makes us uncomfortable. And I think in a way, the entire tone of Ash Wednesday should make us a little uncomfortable. Because it's a time for us to truly encounter repentance. And I don't know that you can truly be repentant if you're busy being distracted by all the noise around you. And for some of us, we may not be familiar with Ash Wednesday or the liturgical season of Lent. And as you know, I've mentioned before this podcast, Pneumaturgical, we are encountering the Spirit through structure. And the structure that we have been using right now is the liturgical calendar. And so I want to give you just a a little bit of a description of Ash Wednesday and the season of Lent, if you're not familiar. Ash Wednesday marks the first day or start of the season of Lent, which begins 40 days prior to Easter. Now, Sundays are not included in this count because because they are considered little Easters. This time of 40 days recalls the 40 days of Christ in the wilderness as he faced the temptations of Satan and emerged bringing the gospel message of repentance and redemption. Lent is a time when many Christians prepare for Easter by observing a period of fasting, repentance, moderation, and spiritual discipline. During some Ash Wednesday services, and if you've had the chance to go to some in the past, sometimes the ministers will lightly rub the sign of the cross with ashes onto the foreheads or sometimes the wrist or hands of worshipers. 
Scripture does not mention Ash Wednesday or the custom of Lent. However, the practice of repentance and mourning in ashes is found in scriptures like 2 Samuel uh, 13.19, Esther 4.1, Job 2.8, Daniel 9.3, and Matthew 11.21, just for a few references. The receiving of ashes has a long tradition in the church. In the past, Christians who had committed grave sins performed their uh, penance or repentance in public. So on Ash Wednesday, the bishops would bless them by sprinkling ashes over them. Others would recite the seven penitential psalms, and they would not enter the church until they had earned their reconciliation after 40 days penance and absolution. Now, not all Christians celebrate Ash Wednesday, though it is observed widely in many Christian traditions and has really been recovered a lot in the last uh, few years. Often, the most noticeable part of Ash Wednesday is the public sight of Christian believers with an ashen mark, as I mentioned, on their forehead or sometimes on their wrist or hand. These ashes, often made with the palm branches of a previous Palm Sunday, are a symbol of repentance and contrition, which is why believers are told, Remember that you are dust, and unto dust you shall return. I'd like to open up today by reading a poem by Walter Brueggemann, It's called Marked by Ashes. Ruler of the night, guarantor of the day, this day a gift from you. This day, like none other you have ever given or we have ever received. This Wednesday dazzles us with gift and newness and possibility. This Wednesday burdens us with the task of the day, for we are already halfway home, halfway home to committees and memos, halfway back to calls and appointments, halfway on to next Sunday, halfway back, half frazzled, half expectant, half turned towards you, half rather not. This Wednesday is a long way from Ash Wednesday. But all our Wednesdays are marked by ashes. We begin this day with that taste of ash in our mouth, of failed hope and broken promises, of forgotten children and frightened women. We ourselves are ashes to ashes, dust to dust. We can taste our mortality as we roll the ash around on our tongues. We are able to ponder our ashness with some confidence only because our every Wednesday of ashes anticipates your Easter victory over that dry, flaky taste of death. On this Wednesday, we submit our ashen way to you, you Easter parade of newness. Before the sun sets, take our Wednesday and Easter us 
Easter us to joy and energy and courage and freedom. Easter us to joy or Easter us that we may be fearless for your truth. Come here and Easter our Wednesday with mercy and justice and peace and generosity. We pray as we wait for the risen one who comes soon. Amen. In the book of Deuteronomy, we come to a moment. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 9, where Moses reminds the people of God, people of Israel, of a very bitter event in their history. The Israelites were delivered by God from the oppression of Egypt. They were rescued by the promise of an inheritance. Because of their own stubbornness and unbelief, they had wandered in the desert 40 years. Now that this 40-year period had been completed, they prepare to enter into the land of promise. But before they can do that, Moses reminds them of a 40-day period 40 years ago where their disobedience resulted in the consequences of sin. So let's hear from Deuteronomy chapter 9. Hear, Israel, you are now about to cross the Jordan to go in and dispossess nations greater and stronger than you with large cities that have walls up to the sky. The people are strong and tall, Anakites. You know about them and have heard it said, who can stand up against the Anakites? But be assured today that the Lord your God is the one who goes across ahead of you like a devouring fire. He will destroy them. He will subdue them before you, and you will drive them out and annihilate them quickly, as the Lord has promised you. After the Lord your God has driven them out before you, do not say to yourself, The Lord has brought me here to take possession of this land because of my righteousness. No. It is on account of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is going to drive them out before you. It is not because of your righteousness or your integrity that you are going in to take possession of their land, but on account of the wickedness of these nations, the Lord your God will drive them out before you to accomplish what he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Understand then that it is not because of your righteousness that the Lord your God is giving you this good land to possess, for you are a stiff-necked people. Remember this, and never forget how you aroused the anger of the Lord your God in the wilderness. From the day you left Egypt until you arrived here, you have been rebellious against the Lord. At Horeb, you aroused the Lord's wrath so that he was angry enough to destroy you. When I went up on the mountain to receive the tablets of stone, the tablets of the covenant that the Lord had made with you, I stayed on the mountain forty days and forty nights. I ate no bread and drank no water. The Lord gave me two stone tablets inscribed by the finger of God. On them were all the commandments the Lord proclaimed to you on the mountain out of the fire, on the day of the assembly. At the end of the forty days and forty nights, the Lord gave me the two stone tablets, the tablets of the covenant. Then the Lord told me, 
Go down from here at once, because your people whom you brought out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have turned away quickly from what I commanded them and have made an idol for themselves. And the Lord said to me, I have seen this people, and they are a stiff-necked people indeed. Let me alone so that I may destroy them and blot out their name from under heaven, and I will make you into a nation stronger and more numerous than they. So I turned and went down from the mountain while it was ablaze with fire. And the two tablets of the covenant were in my hands. When I looked, I saw that you had sinned against the Lord your God. You had made for yourselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. You had turned aside quickly from the way that the Lord had commanded you. So I took the two tablets and threw them out of my hands, breaking them to pieces before your eyes. Then once again I fell prostrate before the Lord for forty days and forty nights. I ate no bread and drank no water. Because of all the sin you had committed, doing what was evil in the Lord's sight and so arousing his anger, I feared the anger and wrath of the Lord, for he was angry enough with you to destroy you. But again the Lord listened to me, and the Lord was angry enough with Aaron to destroy him, but at that time I prayed for Aaron too. And I took that sinful thing of yours, the calf you had made, and burned it in the fire. Then I crushed it and ground it to powder as fine as dust and threw the dust into a stream that flowed down from the mountain. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, given to us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to build up the people of God. Thanks be to God for his word. Amen. The event of which Moses is reminding the people in Deuteronomy chapter 9 we just read, is described back in Exodus chapter 24 when Moses goes up onto the mountain to receive God's revelation. In the story of Exodus 24, it is interesting to observe that Moses alone enters the cloud of glory on the mountain. This is where he receives the Ten Commandments that really awesome scene in the old Moses Charlton Heston Exodus movie. The people themselves are not to journey with Moses into the very presence of God's glory. In fact, Israel has experienced fear at the sight of God's presence as a consuming fire on the mountain. And into this cloud, which appears to burn yet not consume, just like the bush that Moses early earlier encountered, Moses enters for 40 days of fasting and prayer before the Lord. Just like Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness, we may wonder what was happening to Moses during this time. 40 days is no short period of time. It's close to one-tenth of our entire year. Certainly God was sustaining Moses like Jesus in a wilderness period of intense spiritual encounter. But we do have some details of the revelation Moses received as God's conversation with Moses, his instructions for the people, are recorded through chapters 25 to 32 of Exodus. God describes here in great detail how a tabernacle 
is to be constructed for his presence to dwell with his people. It was God's desire, after all, to rescue people, to bring them out of oppression to himself, to dwell among them. But the place where God will dwell must be a place that is sanctified, set apart, consecrated for his presence. So beginning in Exodus 25, 11, God constantly commands Moses that everything in his tabernacle, his dwelling place, be made of pure gold. The purity that God speaks of here occurs over and over in his instructions. And it's interesting, this word for purity occurs around 88 times in the Old Testament. Roughly 15 to 16 percent of the times that this kind of purity is mentioned in all of the Old Testament now happened during this conversation between God and Moses in the book of Exodus. So God is very concerned with his home being pure. Now, this kind of purity shows up in other parts of Scripture. As a matter of fact, it shows up in Psalm 51, which is a psalm of confession that is often prayed on Ash Wednesday. This psalm is David's conversation with God after his own sinful disobedience had resulted in bitter consequences. David pleads with God in these words, Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. This pure heart that David is asking for is the same kind of purity that God was asking for from his people, the purity of materials used to construct a dwelling place for God was to reflect the kind of ethical and moral purity of the people themselves. And David pleads with God, create inside of me a morally and ethically pure heart. Make me right with you, God. Purify my heart of all disobedience that I can be a place where your presence will dwell. Do not cast me away from the mountain with the people. Restore to me the joy of your salvation that sustains. The prayer of David is his confession of repentance. And repentance is the theme, the call of Ash Wednesday. Jesus emerged from his 40-day experience with God as Moses, carrying the message of God's commandments, repent and believe the good news. But unlike the moment at the mountain for God's people, where the presence of the divine had to remain at a distance so that his holiness would not consume their sinful disobedience, now Jesus says is the time that the kingdom of God has come near. Believe the good news. Good news that Jesus will later say 
has come to redeem the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to release prisoners. Now, Jesus says, the kingdom of God has come to fellowship and eat with sinners that all may not perish but have the promise of everlasting life. Which brings us to the sign of repentance of Ash Wednesday, the ashen dust itself. Moses took the false idol that the people had made while he was busy on the mountain and destroyed it, burned it, and took the dust, sprinkled it in the water, and as we read in Exodus, he made the people drink it. Water with dust in it, water laced with ashes, is surely bitter water. It is bitter with the dust of the idols we try to worship over God. It is bitter with the disobedience of our impure hearts. The ashen dust of Ash Wednesday is symbolic. It is meant to be a bitter reminder of our own disobedience, our own desire to worship the false idols of our time over God. But it is also meant to turn us in that bitter recognition towards repentance, the kind of repentance Jesus said after his 40-day wilderness wandering that turns us to the good news. Now, of course, I don't expect any of you listening to probably have ashes nearby. And again, the, the ashes of Ash Wednesday There's not any magical power in them. But the ashes themselves are meant to remind us that we must repent and turn all of our idols to ashes. And sometimes we have to taste of the bitterness of trying to chase after other things in our lives sometimes before we realize that we are truly in need of the taste of the living water of Jesus, the good news of the gospel message that redeems us. And that, my friends, is the work of the Spirit in our lives, turning our idols to ashes turning us in repentance to the message of Christ so that we may pursue the lives that he desires. So on this Ash Wednesday, let us in prayer reflect on the words of Psalm 51, those words that David himself prayed. Will you join me? Have mercy on me, O God according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. 
and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. Save me from blood guilt, O God, the God who saves me, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. On this Ash Wednesday, may the Lord bring you into his presence. May he strengthen you to grind up and burn up and break down and cast out all the idols in your life. May they be destroyed to ash. And in that, may you be reminded of your need for repentance. And in that moment of repentance, may you find the presence, the redeeming and restoring presence of the Lord so near. Welcome to our Lenten journey together.